2: Hello and welcome to Radio Motherboard. This is Editor in Chief Jason Kebler, and today I've got Emmanuel Myberg. Hi, Emmanuel. Hello. Hey. And Lorenzo Franceschi Beccari. Hi, Lorenzo. Hey, hey everyone. And today we are going to talk about security, which is why we have Lorenzo here. Um, Lorenzo, you just went to Mexico. We sent you to the beach. Um, I
0: guess how was that? <laughs> the weather was great the beach was nice uh, yeah can't complain no jokes apart uh it was good um i went there because the um, russian antivirus company kaspersky lab was holding their annual conference there every year for the last 10 years kaspersky has done this um conference they call security analyst summit and it's always in a kind of an amazing place they've done it in tenerife spain um Uh, San Martin, uh, uh, the Dominican Republic, and this year was in Mexico.
2: Yeah, so you've been, obviously, our security reporter for years now. Um, You haven't specifically covered Kaspersky like this before, but you've written about a lot of their research. Um, You know, you've interviewed a lot of their uh, researchers. What is the general consensus about Kaspersky, or what, what was your thought about Kaspersky before you started doing this story?
0: Well, so I've been writing about stuff related to Kaspersky, or at least research done by Kaspersky for, at this point, maybe six years. Uh, I remember very well, actually, when I was starting writing about security, Kaspersky was one of the companies that, were, that was more aggressive in pitching the research. I think at some point I have this memory that almost every week they were like putting out uh, some reports on very interesting malware or espionage campaigns. And they were all like pretty well done. You know, they've always been very well done. So in the industry, they are the company is very well respected because of the technical quality of their uh, researchers. But at the same time, uh, they've always been a controversial company, especially in the United in the United States, because of their well, mostly because of who they are and where they're from. Right? They're from Russia. Uh, their founder, Eugene Kaspersky, is well established and pretty public. Um, connections with the intelligence community there. And so there's always been sort of a suspicion that this company is not exactly what it looks like.
2: Yeah. Can we just back up for a minute and talk a little bit about what Kaspersky's business is? Because ultimately Kaspersky sells antivirus software um, like Symantec or Norton. Um, You know, the average consumer might have like a Kaspersky antivirus software, but why like just in general security companies like that who sell antivirus software also do malware research right
0: yeah basically kaspersky was born as any other antivirus company so they provided a software that protected you from viruses and malware on your computer and that's relatively straightforward right it's a software you install it and supposedly it stops um, malware but in the in more recent years companies like kaspersky have evolved to do more than that now they, they call this threat intelligence which is kind of a fancy word for essentially like reports about malware. So they don't only like stop it from a, with a software, but they also look into it, uh, try to understand who it was behind it, and, and give customers who subscribe to their feeds, they call it in threat intelligence feeds, uh, more information than an average consumer. So if you're like a company or in some cases government agencies and you are a subscriber to Kaspersky, you get these like uh, more in-depth reports that supposedly help you um you know change your defenses or you know get basically be ready for who's coming after you
2: right and they are considered to be some of the best in the business in that industry
0: yeah in, in both industries in both the you know regular antivirus and threat intelligence industry they they're very well regarded i i think they've won a, a bunch of awards ju- just for their antivirus software it's considered one of their best software's, and and their research track record is is pretty speaks for itself. I mean, they've done research on you know the NSA, um, Russian intelligence, like they've they've done a lot of good work, and everyone, no one, you know, no one can contest that.
2: Right. So, uh, sometime last year, I guess probably early last year, the United States government, or actually, I think I learned about this because Best Buy Geek Squad said that they were no longer going to. Sell Kaspersky antivirus. Uh, that probably came after the U.S. government said something, but that was sort of like the big flashpoint, at least for uh, I think the average like news consumer. What uh, what happened?
0: Yeah. So this was basic. I think in my as I see it, this was uh, the culmination of years of controversy, as I hinted before. You know, for years, for years, we've we've seen stories. You know, talking about how. Eugene was close to the intelligence community in Russia, how the Russian intelligence has like, you know, access to some sort of access to Kaspersky, some special relationship. Um, These stories are always a little bit vague and sometimes even uh, silly. There was like a Bloomberg story that I remember that spoke about how uh, Eugene used to go to banyas, which are basically Russian saunas, I guess, with uh, some friends in the intelligence community and that was it and so, but this this uh, last year, as you said, um, initially, I think it was some Congressman started saying, "You know why is Kaspers- why are we using Kaspersky software in critical infrastructure and government uh, you know government servers?" And people were like, "Well, why are you asking this question?" And s- slowly, things started coming out. Um, and as you said, yeah, the government basically started considering um, a ban on Kaspersky software on all government agencies and servers. Um, and after that, more stories came out, and the, the really big one was um, when the New York Times and the Wash the Wall Street Journal uh, revealed that in two thousand fifteen, um, the Russian government was piggybacking on Kaspersky software to spy on their customers, essentially.
2: Yeah. So take us through that because that was related to the shadow brokers, NSA, or believed to be NSA hacking tools that that got leaked. Um, As far as I know, no one has been officially tied to that yet, right? But the the thought is that Kaspersky and and the Russian government was somehow involved, or or what?
0: I think, actually, I think that was one of the theories when the story came out, but we still don't know yet. It it still could be, but we don't know yet. But this could be a separate incident. But basically, what happened in this case, according to the reports at the time, was that um, the Russian government was somehow using special access or they had access to the back end of Kaspersky Labs uh, antivirus and their servers. And they were monitoring uh, this one guy in Maryland, um, who was essentially an NSA contractor. And this guy had Kaspersky antivirus on his computer. So the Russian intelligence was able to spy on him and steal uh, very highly classified documents from him uh, because he had Kaspersky Lab antivirus and and let's back up one second because antivirus software you know we all use it, i guess but a lot of people don't realize that essentially if you install antivirus this software has access to your entire you know your entire machine with the the highest privileges which means that they it can do anything you know and that's part of the the good thing about it it can monitor everything you do it can delete files that it deems malicious um, but at the same time, if you're like an intelligence agency or, you know, a very good hacker and you compromise the antivirus, you have access to the entire computer. So this is what happened in this case. The Russian government somehow had access to the servers of Kaspersky lab and was able to do whatever they wanted on this guy's computer.
2: Right. OK, um, so let's let's get started on this story. Um that I think I that's have, good. Yes, yeah, scene question. setting. Go, go, Emmanuel.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, so uh, yeah. So it's with this background that we send you to this uh, to Kaspersky Labs annual conference, which is called SAS. And I have uh, over the couple of years that I've been working with you, Lorenzo, I've seen you go to many conferences. Um, part of what makes you a good reporter is you go out, you meet people. Uh, you make contacts, and I've seen you go to DEF CON a couple of times, I've seen you go to other conferences, hacker meetups, um, uh, conferences where law enforcement has a presence, and, you know, you're a security-conscious person, Uh, you have good security hygiene, and I've never seen you prepare, um, from a security perspective for a conference like you prepared for this, um, including DEF CON where people go knowing that people are are gonna try and hack them, right? So I guess my question to you is, why were you so vigilant uh, about your security when you went to SAS? And if you could also walk us through how you prepared.
0: Yeah, so I was a little paranoid, uh, for lack of a better word, about this conference because of what I heard from some sources that I, who I spoke to before going. And, and, you know, maybe a lot of people also take precautions like this for every conference because they just take the, you know, the sort of neutral view that, you know, it can happen anywhere, better to be prepared. But in this case, I was worried because um, the conference is very small. Uh, it's only like a few hundred people. It's always in a very um, lim- like a limited small venue, so everyone is always in the same place at the same time, and also because of the allegations against the company and its connections with Russian intelligence. so so I, f- for all these reasons, I was worried about you know my security in terms of my device's security mostly. Um, so the precautions that I took in this case was basically just go with nothing to lose. Uh, which literally means uh, that I went with the phone that had nothing on it, except for the apps that I needed to, you know, communicate with you guys and um, maybe family, and you know, very simple uh, message. Some messaging apps, although not all of them. Um, and then, yeah, a, a clean computer, which again means just a computer with nothing on it. There was no data to steal. You know, if I lost it or someone stole it or someone hacked it. They wouldn't have had. They wouldn't have found anything. I didn't have my password manager on it. I didn't have, you know, stuff like
1: that. A throwaway email account. You also, for the time that you were there, we could not contact you via your normal email. Yeah. Yeah,
2: yeah Lorenzo exactly. Travel, I believe it was <laughs> Vacation yeah. Lorenzo. Um, yeah. I remember that this was a, a big inconvenience for me. Let's let's bring this back to me, um, <laughs> because there was a question about some of your previous reporting that you did like two or three years ago while you were gone. And it was just a a question that came up, you know, in the course of things come up all the time. And someone asked, oh, like, what happened with this story two years ago? And I said, oh, I'm sure Lorenzo has notes on that. Um, You know, let me just ask him to pull up his emails and and he'll be able to send them over, send over his notes or whatever. And I was able to contact Lorenzo because we had, you know, methods of communicating with him. But you then said... uh, yeah, I don't have those. <laughs> those are uh on my computer at home. I can't get them for, you know, four or five days. And I think the thing was like somewhat pressing. So I was like, oh, so because Lorenzo is a good reporter and because he's taking like the necessary precautions, we can't uh we can't confirm any of this stuff until like four or five days from now. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Yeah, yeah this is a good example of how security can be very convenient in unexpected ways.
2: Yeah, so um I, I think the sounds generally good, but uh, there may be some motherboard pets in the background, dear listener. I think maybe that was Gordo. Was that Gordo, Emmanuel?
0: No, he's sleeping. I don't know who that was. That no. was oh, those. Those are my neighbors. I think.
2: Oh wow! There's four kittens yeah. outside of my uh, my window right now. Very small kittens. Any case, uh, this animal <laughs> interlude was brought to you by the noisy animals of New York City. Um, Lorenzo, so you went to SAS, Um, you wanted to go to SAS to to do this story about Kaspersky and about sort of their, uh, I would say that the story that we're publishing today is about Kaspersky's role in both uh, geopolitics as well as its role in the larger InfoSec world. Is that what you set out to do when you you went?
0: Yeah, I think that's correct. Essentially, when I thought about going to this conference and when I pitched it to you, guys, I th- I basically thought this is the year to go because, you know, the company has been in the news. Uh, very, you know, respected people think that it's just a, an arm of the Russian intelligence apparatus. So let's go to this conference and see how the company just talks about itself. You know, are they going to pretend that nothing happened? Are they going to allude to it? Are they going to, I don't know, what are they going to do? You know, like, I I basically, I wanted to see, how the company was going to react in a in in public because they had addressed the controversies you know they published like a, a a lengthy statement and stuff like that but this was basically their this is their one you know annual opportunity to do something very big and i wanted to see what what it was
2: right so um so you went to mexico and what did you find there
0: so what i found was that in many ways the company did do did try to pretend that this was just business as usual you know they in the materials of the conference they didn't like talk about this at all um and even when you were there like uh, you know the, most of the, the talks were just about other stuff and but the this controversy did uh seep, seep through and like sort of a. Uh, creeped out of, uh, of like unexpected places sometimes, even during the conference.
2: Tell me like, a little bit this... about, um, tell me a little bit about the intro, because I think that that's how you start the article. And that's, uh, sounds like a good framing device for the conference and for Kaspersky's, uh, sort of larger role.
0: Yeah, I was, I was kind of surprised by the, the intro because so uh, every, every, I haven't been, this was my first, uh, Kaspersky conference. Uh, but I have heard that they they do like uh, spend a lot of money on marketing and sort of like special effects and videos and and stuff like that. So I, I was expecting something that could be bombastic and a little weird. But this this year they sort of uh, the theme of the conference was kind of westward the the TV show. So the intro video was just uh, this woman talking to the audience saying. Um, Almost like treating them as basically telling them, "Are you a robot? are you not like who are you really? you know, like what's reality? And it seemed like you know they were it seemed like the they were talking about themselves, you know it was like, who are we really? like are we the good guys? are are we the bad guys? The choice is yours. And so, like I don't know if like they did it on purpose. I don't know it I don't know if it was like it's supposed to be a joke, but it seemed like a very appropriate and apt way to start this conference you know just a few months after the big revelation that you know by the way this like this story these stories that have come out may end up you know maybe sinking the company you know like this this was this is a really big deal they're losing customers in the u.s uh you know this is like this is not just a random controversy this could be like the beginning of the end for kaspersky
2: so i have a clip of kaspersky's introduction video at this year's SAS. so here's a little bit uh of what Lorenzo saw.
0: Good morning, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to Security Analyst Summit 2018. It is a great pleasure to see you all here today. For the past 10 years, we've been creating scenarios for the world of Seth. different stories where each of you could have had unique experiences that engaged your mind you've been rock stars you've challenged yourself in the boxing ring you So
2: that. it goes on and on like so that for three more minutes uh, a lot of matrix style uh, visualizations and flashing lights and uh, like CG and stuff like that so it's it's super high production quality um, it's a little ridiculous and some of the videos that they uploaded on YouTube are just like, I would call them over the top. I don't know if you've seen these videos yet or not, Lorenzo, but uh, you know, lots of like EDM music and then uh, people dancing and stuff like that. So, so to me, it seems like SAS is, in some ways, a, a social event as well. I, you know, all conferences are to some extent, but it seems like they want to make sure that people have fun there.
0: Yeah, totally. I mean, all, other than the, you know, the you know, the spying allegations and how the company was going to treat themselves. I also wanted to see how the conference was, because I heard that it was kind of crazy, you know, other than, yeah, they spend a lot of money on marketing. Uh, They fly most of the participants. Uh, I think most, I think the speakers uh, are, have all expenses covered. And most of the people there are speakers or like a large chunk of the attendance. I think this year they had like 300 um, attendants or 300 and some change. And 50 or 60 or maybe 70 were, like, speakers. So, so you know, I, I think it's fair to assume that they lose money on this conference. Uh, so it, it's basically Kaspersky's way of doing PR for themselves, you know, of, like, positioning themselves as a leader in the industry. Um, and, yeah, and also making sure that people that go there have fun and want to go back. And a lot of people do. Like, there's a lot of people that, Um, I spoke to that have been going for four or five years or maybe even like since the beginning and they love it you know it's basically their one the conference that they love the most
2: yeah so big news happens at at SAS every year though right like um, a few years ago you know one of the biggest I would say one of the biggest um, like research reports done by an antivirus company about Government-sponsored malware came out, which was another reason why why you wanted to go to SAS. So, can you tell us a little bit about the Equation Group um, report that they did a few years ago?
0: Yeah, as you said, like this this conference is not just about fun and PR, but they also it's this very well good mix of you know fun, a PR, and also actual news or actual rep- you know reports and real stuff that happens. And so, what you're talking about it was um, their big report in 2015 which they called the equation group and it was basically a very long report about a bunch of um, a group of like malware uh, that uh, Kaspersky had found and they thought that um essentially they didn't say it but they essentially hinted that this was the NSA and this was the first time that anyone had ever found uh, malware uh, done by the NSA so it was a huge deal and um you know they, Kaspersky called it the I think uh, they uh, yeah, are the most sophisticated um, hackers that they ever found. Um, but, you know, they found them, which is or, like when you're the NSA, you're not supposed to be found. Like part of your job is not only to spy on people, but also not get caught because that, you know, that defeats the purpose. So this was a big deal at the time and it attracted a lot of uh, attention on Kaspersky. And, you know, of course, the, the NSA wasn't very happy about it and the US government wasn't very happy. Yeah. So these reports
1: are another reason that the U.S. government and uh, Kaspersky are at odds. It's not just that, um, you know, there is suspicion that they are facilitating spying for the Russian government. It's that their research often blows up um, American spying operations or Western spying operations. And in your story, what Kaspersky says over and over again, uh, both Eugene Kaspersky himself and the people who do this research for the company, is that malware is malware, and if we find it, we're going to put the spotlight on it, no matter what. And that sounds uh, to me like a good philosophy. It sounds. It's like a. It's a. It's. A, it seems like a thing that. Uh, ideological hacker would say. And I am wondering when you're talking to them does that come off as authentic or is it tongue in cheek or is it is it a a public relations line?
2: It's How, sort of a convenient thing to say, too, right? I mean, it, it makes your whole worldview a lot easier if you can say we report on literally everything indiscriminately and we don't make judgment calls at all,
1: right? And other companies don't do this. Other antivirus companies are not don't have multiple instances in their history where they released research that reveals the operations of the NSA or something like that. So I'm wondering, what is your That's code listen at bluenile.com for $50 off your purchase. bluenile.com code listen.
0: Yeah, this I think this goes back to what we were we were talking about at the beginning, like the two sort of the two functions or the two goals of a company like Kaspersky. One is, you know, detecting and stopping malware for customers, which just means that the, your their software recognizes that this one piece of you know, software is malicious and it blocks it on your computer and it keeps your computer safe, which can be done all, you know, silently in the background with no one noticing, really, because, you know, no one really goes and uh, reads what the their antivirus does or checks the logs and stuff like that. You know, that happens in the background. That's like an app on your computer. It does your, it, its work and that's it. But the other side of, it, of, this, of the business now is these threat intelligence reports, which are more like what what gets presented at SAS or conferences like that. So researchers go up on stage. uh, There's a a written report that's usually very long and, you know, more or less detailed. And it's all about what happened here. You know, they're like, hey, we found this, like in the case of the equation group, we found these computers in the Middle East that were infected by this super sophisticated malware, which we think comes from the US, probably Maryland. You know, they don't say like it's the NSA, but, you know, they're basically saying it without saying it. And um, and yeah, like you know, I think this is the key difference. Um, like you can say that your antivirus will stop all threats or all malware, which you know that's what it should do because it's that's the goal of the software. But you can't really say whatever we find we publish, which is I think actually literally one of the quotes that we have in the story, because that's not really true. Like it's not it wasn't true years ago, and it's not true anymore because even just for the because of resources, you know, these companies are, especially Kaspersky has so many customers and so many computers it monitors, they can't write a report about everything they find and no one expects them to, even their subscribers, you know, they don't expect, even their subscribers, they don't expect to see a report about everything. So there's always a choice. There's always a a choice um, that goes into what do we talk about and what we, we put out public. Publicly and especially at a conference, which you know is a PR um, a PR opportunity. There's press releases going out. There's embargoes with reporters. You know, there is a choice, and in this case, they made a very interesting one.
1: Yeah, I would I would say that to release a report that shows that your antivirus company was able to detect uh, malware created by one of the most advanced. you know, groups in the world, the NSA, would be good marketing, right? It shows that you're a very sophisticated company with very talented people on board working for you, detecting malware. But they have done this, I think, enough times now to realize that, I mean, it it has backfired in a way, right? Like, as you said, they've been banned from government agencies. That is a real loss of business, a tangible loss of business. And with Best Buy as well. Like, they lost a lot of customers. So, what is the motivation for them? Because they, they discussed another operation. They released more research that made people mad at SAS, correct? This
2: year, yeah. And you didn't even yeah. realize it. Like, no one seemed to realize it at the time unless, uh, you know, you were paying very, very close attention. But um, this became a huge deal a couple weeks after the conference, right?
0: Yeah, yeah, so so in this year's conference, uh, they talked about this malware called, uh, they called it Slingshot. And uh, it, briefly, it was basically uh, malware that they found on um, some computers in the Middle East, uh, it, more specifically, routers at internet cafes in the Middle East. And, and they talked about it because it, it used some very um, advanced techniques and it was like uh, very novel. And and they also said that it it appeared that it came from a very sophisticated group that may have been linked, uh, as they said it, um, to um, a a, a hacking group that is widely believed to be the CIA. Uh, But, you know, they didn't say it. Obviously, they didn't say CIA. But they said it it could be someone connected to this one group that experts believe is the CIA. And at the time, you know, it got coverage. uh, Wired magazine, I remember, covered it. A few other outlets covered it. But, you know, it seemed just any other, I don't know, another malware. You know, at this point, we've seen a lot of these reports. But then it turns out two weeks later or three weeks later, um, government sources tell CyberScoop that uh, this was an active operation until the time that Kaspersky talked about it. And it was an active operation done by uh, JSOC, which is a military unit um, to spy on... um, ISIS and Al-Qaeda militants in the Middle East. Right. And so, sorry, go ahead. Yeah. And so this was a big deal because, uh, you know, even in the case of the equation group, that was relatively old malware. Like even in the, even Kaspersky itself, when, when the report came out said, this is like at least from a year ago and backwards. It's like, you know, it wasn't like an active operation. In this case, even Kaspersky, I remember at the conference said, yeah, this was active until two weeks ago, at least. So they, they knew that this was like very recent and very fresh. Yeah. So what makes me wonder about that
1: is, you know, we all cover these big tech companies and a good, role, a, good, a good rule when reporting on them is if you're trying to understand their decision-making, usually you can just think about, you know, these are private companies, they're trying to make money. Everything they do is about the bottom line, right? And, you know, often... That means they're making decisions that are not in the best interest of customers, but are in the best interest of, their, of the bottom line. Releasing this research does not seem like great business to me. So, so th- that kind of does support the, the, the Kaspersky Labs ideology of reporting on malware at any cost.
2: Or someone else is pulling the strings. I mean, you you can read all this stuff two different ways, right? Like, you can read it, hey, uh, you know, this is Kaspersky publishing everything. And and to be fair, and we haven't talked that much about it, and I don't think we need to talk that much about it, but uh, Kaspersky has done a lot of reports on Fancy Bear and Cozy Bear and all these other suspected uh, Russian spying operations. So, you know, they do sort of put their money where their mouth is when you start talking about them reporting on... uh, you know governments around the world, and just earlier this month, uh, you know they released a uh, report about government malware suspected to come from Iran, called ZooPark, which has not been confirmed to be from Iran, but a lot of people think that it might be. Um, that said, I mean you can read this as the company living by its ideology, or you can read it as you know someone else is pulling the strings, or or you know like they're working in the best interest of the Russian government, even if it comes at a cost to their bottom line or something like that. And I would also just say, and I'd be curious to think what uh, hear what you guys think about it, is uh, we are not talking about Norton or Symantec right now because by publishing this, they're getting a ton of PR. Um, you know, they say there's no, no such thing as bad publicity. I don't think uh, being accused of being upfront for the Russian government is likely to get you a lot of customers in the United States, but, uh, you know, they are very well respected within the security community. And if you don't work for the U S government, but work for like, you know, an independent security firm somewhere, you might buy, you know, their threat intelligence or something like that.
0: Yeah. And also like, there's another way to look at this, you know, if you let, you know, Given the controversy last year with the U.S. government, and and we didn't say it, but basically after proposing the ban in the government, in the U.S. government, the ban was passed, so it's effective now. So effectively, the the U.S. market is is dying, right? Like the government market is 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 done. Like that's you know it's, it's not coming back at least anytime soon because of the ban. The private market in the U.S. is probably also dwindling because people are suspicious. Even though you know, like maybe you're you're. A normal person, like an average person is not going to be a target of Russian intelligence. But anyway, let's assume, you know, their market is, is dwindling in the U.S. So talking about the fact that you can detect, uh, you know, CIA or NSA malware uh, can be good PR in other markets. You know, imagine Latin America or Africa or other areas in the of the world where they see the NSA as, you know, the enemy cause, or they're worried about them or they're worried about American espionage then something like this is good PR because you want to, you know, you want to think that your antivirus will protect you from the NSA.
2: Yeah, but but there have been moves in the last couple of weeks that show that Kaspersky is at least trying to distance itself from the Russian government, at least publicly. Um, You know, they announced earlier this month that it's moving uh, some of its data centers from Russia to Switzerland. Um, I have another clip here that I'm going to play, of one of their um, researchers talking about that move.
1: The world is changing, fast, and we all know that we have to change together with it. Maintaining the full trust of our customers, including by being transparent, has always been our top priority. Of course, together with providing the protection against stubborn threats there is. But we are going one further. As a part of our global transparency initiative, we are moving some of our key infrastructure from Russia to Switzerland. The relocation, which we have already begun, and which will be completed next year, will see all the data we collect being securely stored and processed in Zurich.
2: So that was Anton Shigarev, who is the Vice President for Public Affairs at Kaspersky Lab, um, you know, saying that they're moving key infrastructure from Russia to Switzerland. There's nothing to be worried about. Um, obviously, Switzerland has better... Uh, at least better uh, optics as far as data protection goes and probably better data protections for consumers um, as part of the EU. Uh, I don't know too much about the s- specifics there, but Lorenzo, how was that move? Um, like, how did that play out in the security world? Did did people think that this is a PR move or was it applauded?
0: I think a lot of people agree that it's a PR move because, I mean, it's... You know, I think, you know, Kaspersky of, of all companies, I mean, all internet companies know this. Like, the internet doesn't really have boundaries, you know? You know what I mean? Like, it doesn't really matter if customer data is in Switzerland or in Moscow because at some point, some data ends up in Moscow anyway because they're, they're researchers and their the core of their team is there. So it's not like, you know, I don't think they're going to move them all to Switzerland. I don't think they're, you know, it's... I mean, in, in some ways, it is, like, I guess, could be effective if you're thinking that, well, you know, the um, the FSB or Russian police will not be able to just storm through the office and, and access the data if they want because it's in Switzerland. Okay, that's fine. But, again, like, some of that data will be transferred over somehow to Russia as well. You know, it's not like they're shutting down the, all the Russian operation. I, I think it's a very, I don't know, I think it's a very it would be naive to think that this is going to change very much. It's a very, it's it's a, it's an optics game. It's like, Oh, we're moving to Switzerland because people think that Switzerland is kind of this haven of security. But as we know, like, you know, if you're a hacker or if you're like the Russian hackers or even American hackers, you can reach Switzerland as much as you can reach Moscow. It doesn't really make a difference.
2: Right, right, right. So you spent a few days in Mexico at SAS. I think we haven't really talked about what your, like, final takeaway from the article is. And, and to be clear, there's no, like, smoking gun here. There's no – we don't know either way. Um, you know, this is the question that governments are trying to figure out. It's a question that the security world is trying to figure out. Like, what is Kaspersky good or bad um, or somewhere in between, obviously? Um, is it a front for the, the Russian government or is it uh, just, you know, a Russian antivirus and security research company that – has gotten a bad rap because uh, you know, tensions are so heightened right now. So um what was sort of your final takeaway from doing all this reporting, talking to people, being at the conference and and just studying this so closely?
0: Yeah, I was really hoping for a smoking gun. You know, I was kinda thinking, well, you know, maybe I will find something that solves this mystery. But as you said, we didn't really find it and and in, and I think part of the reason why we didn't find it is because it's a complex issue, right? Like it, we we live in in a world where it's possible that parts of Kaspersky Lab are bad, quote unquote, and parts of it are good. You know it's it's a huge company. It has connections to the Russian government. I think that's undeniable at this point, just because they're they're based in Russia. And just and you know, to be fair, American companies also have connections to the American government. So it's possible that you know there is some sort of collusion, uh, for lack of a better word, uh, maybe at high levels and stuff like that. Um, and at the same time, it's also possible and real that their research team does good work and their antivirus is good. Um, so you know, I wish we had a, an easier answer, but I think that's kind of like what what I found after you know being at the conference and and also speaking with people that are competitors or people that work for governments around the world, uh, they still think that Kaspersky is the least a, a player that needs to be reckoned with.
2: Right. Um, Emmanuel, do you have any final thoughts here? Or questions?
1: Uh, I think uh, what Lorenzo said about Kaspersky defying the American government and defying the NSA being potentially a good business move is a really interesting way to think about it. I think we assume, given the history, that the internet and, and technology is like an American-led business and a Western-led business. But if you think about it, as more of the world uh, comes online, like Lorenzo said, Latin America, the Middle East, Africa... I mean, maybe the smartest thing to do is to show that historically uh, the, the most sophisticated spying group in the world, the NSA, you have this company, Kaspersky, who is able to protect you from it. And then maybe, that, that maybe it's just – maybe it is good business. Maybe it is good business right now to openly beef with the U.S. government. You might lose um, – what I'm sure is huge business in government contracts and Best Buy and stuff like that. But if you look 10 years down the line, uh, like, what is your business in India given this move? What is your business in China given this move? What is your business in Africa given this move? So I think that is a really interesting way to think about it. And kind of scary, not because the NSA and the American government hasn't done horrible things uh, in cybersecurity, they obviously have it's just like it's a new paradigm and that's kind of and and it, it's a it's a big change so that's that's unknown and 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 yeah i mean scary. i think i think
2: it speaks a little bit to sort of the broader mm-hmm. uh geopolitical situation right now which uh we don't need to get too deep into but you know the rest of the world is going on without the the us government and without the united states as the united states pulls further and further into itself Like, you know, the United States left the Paris Agreement, but the rest of the world is is going on with it. The rest of the world left, the or the US left the the Iran deal, but the rest of the world is going on with it. And we've seen tech companies uh, be successful without the United States market. Um, If you look at a company like Huawei, the Chinese uh, smartphone slash like uh, hardware manufacturer, they make like routers and all sorts of things. Uh, They have a very successful business in China, but they also have you know, they're some of the most popular phones in Latin America and uh, a lot of other developing countries. So um, I think that it, maybe Kaspersky can get away with without needing the United States. Um, you know, we'll sort of see see what happens. And, and this is an ongoing and, and constantly changing type of situation. I mean, uh, you have like major changes just in the last two weeks where they announced that they're, they're moving their data centers to Switzerland. And there's ongoing discussions about whether there are going to be more sanctions against Kaspersky. Um, but I think that either way, this company is not going away anytime soon and, and has played a very important and complex role in the larger InfoSec conversation that everyone's been having these last few years.
1: Yeah, I guess one last question for Lorenzo is: You're uh, a reporter on this beat. You have sensitive conversations all the time. There is sensitive stuff on your computer. W- are, are you okay with using Kaspersky software? Uh, I, I don't think you do, but uh, theoretically, or is that is that fine?
0: I mean, I think it depends who you are. Like, you know, I think my parents actually use Kaspersky software. Um, you know, it's like if you're not worried about the Russian government spying on you, then Kaspersky is probably fine. You know, like, it's actually, it's good. Like, you know, it's people that have actually read the code and looked at the code, you know, I can't say I have, I I can't, you know, judge a software, Mm -hmm. but they, they they do think that Kaspersky is one of the best antivirus and, and, you know, and that's also like, let's also say that these, these days, most antivirus solutions are equivalent to a certain extent. Like they, Use a lot of the same technology. Um, they block most of the same threats and malware. So, yeah, I, and, and you know, even like Windows, Windows itself now has antivirus uh, embedded in it. It's called Windows Defender. So you don't even. Some people think that you don't even need uh, an external antivirus anymore. Mm-hmm. But yeah, you you know, if you're not like a government worker or someone that has I don't know enemies in Russia, you're probably fine with Kaspersky Lab antivirus.
2: Right. Right. Okay. Well, thank you guys both for joining. Um, This is Radio Motherboard. The article is called Who's Afraid of Kaspersky? It's up on Motherboard right now. Um, And please read it. Let us know what you think. And, you know, at us on Twitter if you're mad at us. All right. We'll see you on Thursday.
0: Thank you. See you, everyone. All right. Bye.